0: So, what? Two months ago, you get this great idea to write to serial killers, Hmm. and I was like, "Ugh, okay, all right." So we wrote to serial killers, and alas, guess what? Dun dun dun! They responded. So we're going to do one today, and I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'm going to read you the letter that he wrote back to us.
1: Okay. I'm here for it.
0: Are you? <laughs> this makes me so nervous, Samantha. Why? He's in you prison me? forever. I know, but there's family members and other people, and when I tell you this story, I mean, it's just kind of like, I, this, this is a population of people that I would prefer not to know who the fuck I am.
1: I mean, that's solid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, here we go. This is going to be our first one. Yay! Welcome to it. Welcome to it. I'm Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is the suspended sentence, and this is not a suspended sentence case. Oh! (laughs) So, I'm going to start off by reading something that he wrote. Okay. Okay, one of his thousands of publications, because he's, you know, whatever, such a... uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Such a inspirational speaker and writer that he publishes a lot.
1: Mm. A
0: lot. Okay, so here we go. One early morning, a man was sitting on his front porch, enjoying the warm sunshine and a cup of coffee, when a little ant caught his eye as it was going from one side of the porch to the other, carrying a big leaf on his shoulders. The man watched for almost a half an hour, he saw that the ant faced many impediments, impediments, oh my gosh, during its journey. It would pause, take a detour, then continue towards its destination. At one point, the tiny creature came back to a crack, came to a crack. I can't read today. So, that's great. <laughs> We're starting out strong. At one point, the tiny creature came to a crack in the floor. It paused for a while and analyzed the situation. It then laid down the huge leaf over the crack, walked over the leaf, picked it up on the other side, and continued on its journey. The man was captivated by the cleverness of the ant, one of nature's tiniest creatures. The incident left the man in awe and forced him to think about the vastness of the universe. The diversity of nature was on display right in front of his eyes. Here was this tiny creature, lacking in size, yet equipped with a brain able to analyze, contemplate, reason, explore, discover and overcome in about a half hour they find the ant finally reached its destination a tiny hole in the corner of the floor which was the entrance to its underground dwelling it was at this point that the ant's shortcoming was revealed how could the ant carry the large leaf that it had managed to carefully bring to the destination into the tiny hole well it couldn't So the tiny creature, after all the painstaking hard work and exercising great strength and skills, overcoming all of the difficulties along the way, left behind the large leaf and went home empty handed. The ant had not thought about this, about the end before its challenging journey began. And in the end, the large leaf was nothing more than a burden to it. The creature had no option but to leave it behind so that it could reach its destination. The man learned a great lesson that day too we worry about our family we worry about our job we worry about how to earn money we worry about where we should live how big of a house to own what kind of vehicle to drive what kind of clothing to wear all sorts of things only to abandon all of them when we reach our destination the grave Mm. we forget in life's journey that these are unnecessary burdens we carry along with the uttermost care of with the utmost care of fear of losing them only to find that in the end, they are useless, and we can't take them with us. So who are we talking about? We are talking about John Robinson. He is currently on Kansas death row in, Eldoro, in Eldorado, Kansas. Okay. All right. Can you tell us about him? Born December 27th All right. All right. <laughs> in 1943, John Robinson was born in Caesarea, Illinois and grew up in a working class family as a child he showed early signs of psychopathy deceit manipulation and kleptomania he stole from his parents and his school friends and often lied lied about his class achievements he did though really he really did earn his <laughs> Eagle <laughs> Scout and went to a very prestige Catholic school he was a good student he loved animals and at the age of 13 He got the opportunity to sing for and meet the Queen of England. He also met Judy Garland.
1: All right then, all right. Things seemed normal on
0: the surface, but behind closed doors, Robinson's family was actually quite dysfunctional. His father was an alcoholic, and his mother had a demeanor that was reportedly very, very cold, and she was driven by extreme discipline. Initially, he wanted to be a clergyman. He wanted to be a priest, but he dropped out his freshman year due to poor grades and poor behavior. He then enrolled in trade school, and despite a mere two-year stint studying radiology that ended prematurely, he was hired as an x-ray te- technician by counterfeit, counterfeiting fake credentials. So he makes this resume that's full of just complete bullshit, gets this really, really great job at Chicago Hospital, and and he was an x-ray tech.
1: Oh my gosh. In
0: 1964, he married Nancy Jo Lynch and fathered a son, John Jr., in 1965, and twins Christopher and Christine in 1971. By then, he was living in Kansas City, Missouri, masquerading as a well-intentioned family man whose focus on community and his loved ones. He reffed soccer games, and he was an elder, elder in his church. But John's marriage was also not what it appeared to be. It was actually pretty rocky, with Tons of financial problems, bizarre sexual needs of his, and frequent infidelity on his part. Professionally, early on, he bounced from job to job, many of which he secured again by lying about his credentials. He defrauded and embezzled from countless companies. One of his first jobs, like we just said, as an x-ray tech at that Chicago hospital, as an x-ray tech, he worked for the private physician of Harry Truman. And he embezzled about $25,000 from him. Holy cow. He was so convincing with his deception that in 1977, he was actually awarded the Man of the Year Award at a special banquet held in his honor because of his local work and his dedication to the service and to the mentally and physically disabled. But he made all that up.
1: Oh, none of it's real?
0: He had nominated himself wrote himself letters of recommendation and forged other people's signatures, bought his own plaque, facilitated the entire thing, just made the entire thing up.
1: That's cute.
0: And nobody caught on. Nobody ever caught on. His early cons involved hydrophonics and bogus medical practices, but he would say that he had cures for things and actually screwed one of his friends out of $25,000 whose wife was dying of cancer. He said that he had a cure for it. So it didn't matter who he was going to screw over. He was going to screw over anybody that he could. He gets caught, though, every single time he gets caught, eventually. He's in and out of jail just for short periods of time. He's on probation, and he's under the eye of the judicial system. He's not very smart in his follow-through at all, yet. But around this time, he started making sexual offers to his neighbor's wives in addition to the various relationships that he'd been sustaining outside of his, his marriage, calling himself a slave master. Mm. He was part of a secret sadomasochistic BDSM society called the International Society of Masters. Now, their
1: goal was to allegedly torture and rape. And we've talked about this many times on the BDSM community, like all these like people that are like, oh, this is this is what it is. Right. But... But
0: the BDS community, BDSM community, like there's, like you said, it's consent Mm -hmm. and there's always a safe word. Like people can get out when it reaches a point, a point where people are scared, like you say a word or whatever and and you
1: stop. Like this is not, this is not common. Right. I mean. You just get people that are like, oh, I'm just really into BDSM. No, 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 no. So anyway, so the International Council of
0: Masters, their goal, again, was to torture and rape, right? But they practiced domination and degrading women, both physically and emotionally, for fetish gratification. And the group's official slave master, again, was Robinson, and his duty was to recruit female participants for ceremonies, so keeping in mind that he's a con expert, not just a con man, he's a con expert. This man, like, he's, he knows how to pull one over on people. And if there was a way to con somebody, he's already thought it through. So his, his expertise, right, is in operations that involve him creating fraudulent shell companies, personas, and stories. He is in the right frame of mind for this shit, right? Like, he's, and he does just that. He creates ads in newspapers that attracts women, and he makes them promises and fabricated like high-paying jobs and relationships to them, and he uses tailor-made lies to lure women to his hometown, isolate them, so that he could control them. Okay, so now the year is 1984. Okay, Robinson's first suspected victim was 19-year-old Paula Godfrey. He hires her to work as a sales representative for two fraudulent shell companies that he just made up. After being, quote, sent away on training, Godfrey's parents received a typed letter from their daughter. Now, this is important. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make little notations here of things that I want, I want you to pay attention to. Typed letter. Typed letter from their daughter stating that she was okay and she wished to sever all ties with them. The letter arrived only a couple days after after a filed missing persons report by her parents was filed with the police department because she it was unlike her to not be in contact with them.
1: Right. And we've said that a million times, too. Parents know their kids better
0: than the police do. Right. But since their daughter was over the age of 18 and there were no tangible hints of foul play, the authorities dismissed it, and her her whereabouts are unknown still today. Oh, that's sad. Right. So a year later... A lady named Lisa, Lisa Stassi, who was from Alabama, was divorcing her husband. Okay, She had a four-month-old baby, and they were staying in what was called the Hope House. This was a shelter for women that were just trying to like, get on their feet. So John had also, <clears throat> at the same time, <clears throat> sorry, had started a, an outreach program that helped downtrodden women reestablish themselves. Convenient, huh? Yeah, that's nice. So the Hope House refers Lisa to him and says, hey, here's this lady. You might be able to help her. They they facilitate this meeting. So they meet. He promises her basically the whole world. She's like, okay, well, I mean, what else am I going to do, right? So he puts her up in a hotel room with her baby. But one night, Lisa goes to visit her sister. John goes to the hotel room that he's paying for, and she's not there. And he absolutely freaks out. He tracks her down. He knows everything about her because it's on the application. Next of kin, where your family is, blah, 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 blah. He shows up at her sister's house, and he's like, there's a snowstorm coming in. We need to leave. We need to leave immediately. So she goes, but her sister is like, this is weird. That was a really weird interaction for somebody that you're just going to go work for that you don't know. But anyway, she goes. They go. And a little while later, Lisa calls her mom and her sister from the hotel room and tells her that these people are trying to get her to sign these papers, just four blank pieces of paper, and her mom is like, don't sign anything. What are you doing? Like, we'll come and get you. Don't sign anything. But then Lisa says, oh, they're here now, and hangs up the phone. That's the last time her mom will ever speak or see her again. That's so sad. Right. Next is Catherine Clampett. She's 27, and she leaves Wichita Falls, um, Texas in 1987 leaving her parents the task of raising her child, but she's looking for work. So she leaves. Um, she goes, meets Robinson, who promised her a job and a fresh start. Nobody's seen her since June of 1987. Nobody knows.
1: Uh, was the baby and, the, and Lisa ever found? I'll get to that. Oh, okay.
0: So <clears throat> in 1985, John gets convicted for conning $50,000 through a false condominium cell. So now he's a realtor. Oh, nice. Right. He spent 7 years a in the Jack of all trades. He he really is. He's just, you know, over overachiever. He spent 7 years in prison though, starting in 1987 shortly after Clampett vanished. Um so he's in prison, but it was during this time that he learned how to use the computer and write software programs. Hmm. Right? Because the internet was coming out. And when he was released in 1993, his technological expertise coincided with the internet boom sweet that was swooping the world right? right so he started trolling the bdsm chat rooms under the screen name slave master in search of female victims through this new more you know easily accessible network of people that brings people from all over together right he'd enter chat rooms and advertise fetish services to wo- to women who are seeking a bondage relationship but that was not the only benefit that prison provided to john <laughs> At the Western Missouri Correctional Facility, he met 49-year-old Beverly Boner, the prison librarian, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: who is also the wife of the prison hospital. (laughs) Upon his release, she leaves her husband and moves to Kansas to, quote, work for him. After Robinson arranged for her alimony checks to be forwarded to a Kansas post office box, post office box, please pay attention to that. Her family never heard from her again. For several years, her mother continued forwarding her alimony checks to that post office box, and Robinson continued to cash them. She's never been seen again.
1: Wow. So one of John's early online... do cor- you think if you were working <laughs> in a prison that you'd be, like, maybe smart enough to, like, see through that?
0: Uh, you know, though, there... It's really... I Like, you
1: and your husband work there, and, like...
0: I, you would think, but it happens quite a bit. Right. It happens pretty often. There really isn't mental health training for law enforcement officers, you know? Yeah. And they don't... I, I don't know. Okay, so one of John's early online correspondents was a woman named Sheila Faith. She was 45, and she had a 15-year-old daughter um, who was in a, a wheelchair and disabled. She had spina bifia. Robinson portrayed himself as a wealthy businessman and philanthropist and offered to pay for her child's medical expenses and give Shel- she- Sheila a job. I don't know what my deal is with <laughs> words right now. In 1994, the mother and daughter move from California to Kansas City and immediately disappear. Immediately. Robinson cashed Faith's pension checks for the next seven years. Oh, my gosh. 21-year-old Isabel Lewiska, she's next. She meets Robinson via the Internet in 1999. He invited her to come live with him in kansas city she was in indiana at the time and despite being married herself he buys her an engagement ring promises her the world and off she goes and she signed a 115 item quote slave contract that granted him complete and total control over virtually every single um aspect of her life
1: this is like a really gross combination of toy box killers meets um Granny killer in California. Isn't that kind of what it seems like? He's, like, taking, like, little inspo's from some... He's <laughs> It's, disgusting. like, a really gross
0: combination of he's, all of them. He's really, really just looking for any opportunity that he can to capitalize to the best for him. Yeah. In every single every single aspect. So she signs this slave contract, right? And she wants this life, and she signs it, but he now has access to her social security number her bank accounts her everything everything and at all correspondence is going to this post office box that's just to some person right mm-hmm. so she disappears obviously now robinson later tells a web designer that he that because she was of i think oh my gosh i should know this um she was not native to to america she was from somewhere else so he told a web designer that she had been caught smoking marijuana and she was deported so he had a reason he had a he had a valid reason for all of the disappearances that made nobody question it at wow. all
1: wow
0: right so about the time of her disappearance though a licensed nurse practitioner named Susan Tordon moved from Michigan to Kansas to travel the world with Robinson as a submissive sex slave he also finds her on the internet. Her mother received several typed, again, typed letters signed by her daughter and purposely mail. and oh my gosh, and purposely she mailed these while she was overseas. Okay, so she's traveling the world and mailing letters, typed letters back home to mom, apparently, right? But mom is like, yeah, no, my kid can't spell, she can't type, she can't this isn't how she talks this isn't from her well it wasn't from her but but again no investigation is done no anything because these are all consenting over the age of 18 people right so law enforcement's doing nothing so she she calls Robinson because she knows where she she told her mom where she was going she calls Robinson and is like hey where's my kid like have you seen her have you talked to her and he tells her that she ran off with an acquaintance after she stole money from him. And he's a victim, too. Oh, my gosh. Right. Okay, so one of the first women that Robinson identified as a candidate, again, for this, for this sex group, to be a prostitute for them, her name was Teresa Williams. She was 21 years old, and she was from Boise, Idaho. He met her online the same way that he did the majority of these girls, offers this job to her, she comes out to meet him, he puts her up in an Overland Park Hotel room where he photographed her nude and offered her a position as his mistress. And that job would involve sex services not only for him but for others also. He would put her up in an apartment and pay all of her expenses plus pay her prostitution fees. He would supply her with marijuana and whatever other drugs she wanted, and she takes the job, okay? But on the night of April 30th, 1985, John gave Williams $1,200 in cash, outfitted her in a fancy alluring dress, and told her to wait in the park across the street from her apartment. A limousine picked her up, the driver blindfolded her, and took her to a mansion somewhere in Kansas City. She was turned over to a distinguished-looking, 60-year-old, 60-something-year-old man, who was called, quote, the judge. He escorted her to the basement, which was outfitted as like a dungeon for sadomasochistic sex. And um, he made her disrobe and began stretching her on a medieval rack.
1: Oh, God.
0: She screams in panic and demands that that he allow her to leave. She was blindfolded again and returned to her apartment where a few days later... Robinson shows up, seven shades of pissed, demands his $1,200 back, and says, You're in violation of the contract. But then, <clears throat> so she gives him the money back. But then he finds out, a couple of days later, John finds out that she'd been entertaining her boyfriend, i.e., having sex with her boyfriend. And he is not one of Robinson's customers, and he, Robinson, doesn't get paid. Like, there's no money exchange for this, and that was not part of the contract. And so, he, in the early morning, lets himself into the brick apartment building. He had his own keys, because, I mean, he, he paid for the apartment, and he owns her. Yeah. She's, she's his slave. So, he has his own keys. He lets himself, himself into the apartment. It's a two-bedroom unit that's on the third floor of this apartment complex. The woman is inside. She's been asleep. She's asleep because it's in the early, early morning. But she bolts awake. She wakes up really abruptly when, when John barges into her room because he's he's loud. He grabs her by the hair, pulls her over his knee, and begins to spank her. "You've been a really, really bad girl," he screams at her. "You're about to learn a lesson." She starts screaming. She's scared. She's terrified. He throws her on the floor and pulls a revolver out of his, sh- out of his shoulder holster-, holster on his chest and tells her, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to blow your brains out. Then he pulls, puts a gun to her head and pulls the trigger. <gasps> the chamber was empty. Oh, my gosh. She falls to the ground crying, obviously. Like, that's freaking terrifying. And he slides the gun down the front of her, down her, and she's naked, down the front of her, down her chest, and sticks the barrel into her vagina. Then he says, bet you've never had a blowout. She's crying, softly, because if she's not quiet, he's going to kill her. He pulls it out from her, puts it back in his holster, and leaves. He then goes to his son's Soccer game Ugh. that he was roughing. Ugh. She calls the police. Good. And she pressed assault charges on him. As she should. Absolutely. So the police get a get a, a warrant, get, you know, whatever for him. They go to his farmhouse that's out in Kansas and they arrest him. Through a thorough search of the property, it was carried out where it was found, two bodies confirmed to be those of two of the girls. They were found dissolving in large chemical drums. An elaborate investigation of of a storage facility that he also owned nearby and rented out exhumed three more bodies in similar drums of those of Beverly Booner, Sheila, and Debbie Faith. Did they find the baby? Okay, so you're wondering about this four-month-old I'm baby, wondering right? wondering
1: about the baby, yeah.
0: Okay, so John had a brother, and his brother and his wife could not have children. And they had tried to adopt a baby through agencies for, for years and years, and they were denied for whatever reason. So one morning, John calls them and tells them that, hey, I have this baby. The mom just committed suicide. If you want it, it's totally up for adoption, but you got to get here right away. And it's going to cost you $5,500 in attorney's fees. So they, eager to have a child, immediately get in their vehicle, go to where he is, which is hours and hours away, to to pick up the baby. He had forged legal documents. It looked completely legitimate to his brother. So brother shows up, gives John $5,500. John gives him legal documentation saying, congratulations, here's your baby. And he even poses for a family picture with them. Okay, so that baby was raised her whole life. Her name is Tiffany. Was raised her whole life knowing that the man who killed her mother is Uncle John.
1: That's horrible. Right. I mean, I'm glad he didn't kill the baby, but...
0: Right. Like the 15-year-old girl that he did kill because (sighs) her body was found, right? But here's a super creepy additive for you about that part. Right before he gets arrested, he starts inviting Tiffany... the the, the baby that's now, you know, 15, he starts inviting her to come and stay with him at the farm. Like she's 15. She's starting to, you know, argue a little bit with mom and dad. She wants to kind of get away and get a break, whatever. And she was going to. No question at all in my mind that he would have, he would have raped and killed her. No question at all. So in 2002, Robinson stood trial in Kansas for the murders of all of them. Um, it was known as the longest criminal trial in Kansas history. oh wow. he was convicted on all counts. He received the death penalty for the murders of Troughton and Luiska louis i'm saying the name wrong, I apologize and life imprisonment for stacy's murder because she was killed before Kansas reinstated the death penalty mm. you know, and they 've never found her body mm-hmm. so. Um, He received a five to 15 year sentence for interfering with the parental custody of Stacy's baby, 20 and a half years for kidnapping, trodden and seven months for theft. And here's the part that grosses me out. I mean, all of it grosses me out, but his wife. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. She stood by him the whole freaking time.
1: So what? She just had no idea that he was like
0: killing people at their house? Well, so they had a house in town, he had a farm outside of town. Oh. And she didn't she didn't go out there, if I if I understand it correctly.
1: So no, she she didn't know. Okay, and let's say Tiffany's, like 15, so what happens like legally from a legal standpoint, they find out that that's not it wasn't a legal adoption. Did she get taken from the, so the She only- didn't. She wanted to stay. They give
0: it up the option and- of her. And And not only that, but, like, her biological dads came in and was, like, that is my kid. I want my kid. And she was, like, no, I've got a dad.
1: That would be such a hard situation, though. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know any different. It's the only life you've ever known. But at the same time, like. Right. But it's not. It's. Talk about your life being a lie. Yeah.
0: You know, but she, I mean, she has a relationship with her, with her mother's mom so her grandmother okay um but nobody in the interviews with her grandmother with Lisa's with Lisa's parents um they were like you know selfishly we want her right we want to go and take her and but the best interest of the child that that's all she knows that's all she's known that's all she's been around that's all if she wants to stay because his brother and, and his wife were good to her
1: right but
0: that's wild. It's super wild.
1: So, so did you remember all your points that Tracy told you to remember? So
0: here's another thing that I didn't put in, in my notes that's important. In the very beginning, when he first started his conning, one of his biggest um, points and how he started was, is he would steal stamps from people. Or convince people to give him stamps. He was obsessed with stamps.
1: Isn't that funny what people are obsessed with?
0: So, we have years and years and years here of stamps. Pay attention to these words before I read his letter. Stamps, typed letters. Um, what else is important? Oh, P.O. Box. And the P.O. Box. Okay, so... Me in my head, okay, <laughs> I didn't research this case before I sent out these letters asking these serial killers to correspond with me. Because how we typically do it is, you bring the cases and I react. Right. We were just putting feelers out there to see who was gonna talk to us, right. right? Not expecting that- A week later somebody would respond. That as many would respond as did. So the letter that, that we wrote, we used our post office box, I did not use my real name. I typed it. Mm. And I didn't sign it. Why? Because it's all identifying information. And I don't want this shit out there.
1: Well, until now, when you're saying it out loud.
0: <laughs> but but we'll see here in just a second that, I mean, a million podcasters do this. Like, all podcasters try to get serial killers to, to interact with them. So... I mean, it's whatever. So, immediately, John writes back to us. Yeah, like,
1: we sent it, and a week later, it was back.
0: Less than a week later, we had a response. And this is what he says directly to us. Okay, so this is John's words to us. In response to your typed and unsigned note of April 23rd, 2023... You're about the 20 something person with a podcast claiming it to be true crime. I find it improbable that it's correct. There are f- few out there like the Kardashians who actually look at the evidence, not the media hype, and work to find the truth. The rest simply want regurgi- want, simply regurgitate the garbage that's out there on sites like Google and listen to the unfounded questionable claims of people who claim to have personal knowledge. They embellish what they read and see and just perpetrate the myths. True crime has nothing to do with this at all. I usually don't waste my time or postage responding to those who only want to use me for their own benefit. For those interested in actually investigating the truth and sincerely willing to invest their time and effort to advance it, I am an open book. For the record, I have maintained my innocence from day one and still do. That will never change. As long as I have a heart to beat, I will fight to prove it. If you are like most true crime enthusiasts, you consume the Kool-Aid presented as fact, never ever taking into consideration how improbable the story is. The more sensational, the better. You enjoy the demolization of those accused, guilt or innocent is meaningless to you. You want facts? Google Morrison, the destruction attorney who used me to obtain a higher office. Read the article in the Topeka Capital Journal about his honesty and truthfulness. You want to know about me? Find out who I am? Read my books. And then he gives me like all the books that he's written and all the websites that he's done um, or go to. I and mean, he continues to just give. For
1: like a page and a half.
0: Yeah, websites and things that he's, that he's published. Um, and see some of my cartoons. With some effort, you might find one of the 400-plus publications that carry my monthly articles. You might wonder why I never write about my care or self-pity. That is not who I am. Sadly, you you want the easy way out to get a story on your podcast without doing any work. So many of you out there. My life is full of your letters. For the few of you who really want to find the truth, investigate for themselves to find it, I have the time. For those who simply want ponderification of the garbage already out there, I have nothing. I'm not wasting another stamp.
1: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: <sighs> So he responded, that's what he has to say. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was so funny that he's like, "You're typed letter, and I'm not wasting another stamp." Well, like, "Sir, you sent typed letters."
0: Well, and I, and I probably, honestly, like, psychologically from a mental health standpoint,
1: I probably triggered the fuck out oh, of this probably. dude. Oh, probably. And you didn't even know it. I and mean, I it didn't was, even you know didn't it. You didn't do it on purpose.
0: No. I was doing it, I mean, to conceal, yeah, to conceal any identifying information Which is what me, he was doing. Which is what he was doing. But without a doubt, I triggered the fuck out of this dude. Like, I just did to him what he did. <laughs> but not intentionally. I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't. I didn't do it on purpose.
1: I'm just saying however, like sometimes when I, things happen that should just maybe happen.
0: However, <laughs> when, I, when I started to research it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I am, you know, I don't yield to people, Samantha, but I'm not stupid either.
1: <laughs> well, that's a wild case. Did you know that he was also known as... Like the first internet serial killer? No, I didn't. That's kind of wild. It's also really scary. I guess that makes sense, though. So it's right when the internet's coming out. like.
0: And that he learned how to do it in prison. And I've said this like a million times. Prison is an institution for criminality. Yeah. And he learned how to do it. He learned how to code and how to write programs
1: in prison. <laughs> Seems like a good resource. <laughs> that is a great thing to be teaching con men while they're... In your freaking... It's another, another revenue of how to do that. It's amazing. So do you think that... Because they only found, what, five bodies yeah. total? So do you think the rest of the women, whatever he was putting them in, like, where do you think they are at? I don't know. You know, I don't know about
0: decompensation and the chemicals that he was using in the barrels. But, I mean, you can't tell me that somebody like that didn't have... He was in prison for, what, nine years?
1: Yes, I mean, seven or something.
0: Yeah. a body could probably completely decompose
1: in nine years. Oh, probably, depending on the chemicals that you have them in. And, and it's kind of impressive how he's kept his mouth shut. Like, Lisa Stasi's body has never been found. Well, it's one of those things, though, that, like, he's still saying, I'm innocent. How are you playing you're innocent when five bodies are found on your farm? What, you just think that some other serial killers just, like, decided that that's a good place to store bodies? Right. And it's interesting how he
0: makes those correlations in the letter to us. Like, he is exactly the person that the media is portraying him to be. He is exactly the deviant, lying,
1: con man. So do you know anything about his wife? You said that she stood by him the whole time, but like... I don't know. I don't know anything about her
0: or where his kids are. it's interesting. Which is scary. Okay, but... So I watched a documentary, though, on Tiffany, the Uh four-month-old baby. And she said that after it came out that she got, um, I don't know, like 42 pages or something of a document, typed letters or whatever, that did not come from him, that they don't know where it came from. And it was mailed to one of her relatives, blood relatives, and she held on to it for a long time saying... Because there was the threat that if she told anybody that she would be killed.
1: Oh, wow. Which is why I'm like... I know you get way more nervous than I do. I'm like in my brain. But I also go to like... I've been to like the Museum of Death with all the letters. And I'm like... I don't know. I'm a little more morbid than you are. Right. Well, I'm just a little
0: bit more like... I guess I'm not a
1: mom. I don't really have like... I mean, I've got like a husband and my fur babies. You have like children to like...
0: And I'm a hothead. Care for. And so I'm like, I, you know, I mean, I would pull a trigger and ask questions later where you're
1: kind of more calm and mellow headed. And I'm like, danger is everywhere. Join my bubble. (laughs) Uh, I don't know story time though. This is like completely unrelated. But the other night, so we, my husband and I moved into a new house and it's significantly larger than anything I've ever lived in before. It's three floors and. Now that I'm not home alone anymore, I can say this, but I was home alone and my, I've got two dogs and one is like a little tiny dog and one's a big, she thinks she's a big ferocious beast dog. She
0: is. She would tear (laughs) somebody's ass out. And
1: she's usually pretty docile and less like, she loves you. Like if you're alone with her, she's pretty defensive. If I'm alone with her. She's extremely protective. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like 1am, I'm like peacefully sleeping and let's just say like my house is pretty soundproof they freaked out yeah and I was like I'm not investigating that I'm gonna stay in this cute little spot in my house where if they come into me then I have the upper hand advantage they don't know where any light switches are they don't know how to turn on the lights (laughs) I'm staying right here I didn't yell at them because I if somebody was like breaking into my house I was like I'm not gonna be like stop barking dogs right so they can what follow my voice and come and kill me no thank you so, so you're scared too, actually. When I'm like home, you just usually talk I'm a big not, game. but I'm not. It was scared. like my first night there alone, though. I'm
0: not scared. I'm just not stupid. Yeah. Like I don't like i I don't want to fuck with people who I I don't go yeah. looking for a fight. I don't go looking for if a fight finds me, Samantha. I mean, you know this. You're my daughter. I will fight. And I, I like to. <laughs> I will fight. I don't yield to anybody, but I don't go looking for stuff. I don't poke
1: bears. Bears. I don't poke <laughs> bears. Uh, can we say this yet? What? About our... We kind of hinted at it, but can we say what we're doing next month? No. Uh, okay, no, teaser. Surprise. You don't surprise. know what's happening.
0: <laughs> but it's... I don't know. It's just creepy. You know, I mean, now he's like, what, 80 years old or whatever, and still on death row still not executed still not and I mean still I I read that letter and from a mental health standpoint I'm like he's exactly who he always was nothing's changed no I mean he still makes a big deal about stamps
1: he's still you know the typed written letter and I'm sorry I know from you from a mental point you're like oh I probably triggered him and I kind of made my comment from somebody that doesn't have like a whole lot of mental health background to me in my head and you can like correct this and give your like why you feel a different way but if you don't have mental health background to me I'm like it's kind of a little bit like the universe was like you sent a typed letter to me that's kind of a little a little funny in a sense right it's poking a fucking bear it's kind of Samantha. funny because you're like oh <laughs> and I Hopefully he responds again because you did send him another letter. I did, and you were like, "How do you want me to send you stamps, dude?" Like I did, I did, I but did. I think is so funny. I did write back, and I. But that was again before
0: you just researched this. I know, and I ought to. I ought to do homework. He probably I... was like, "Fuck that chick." He was. I a hundred percent because. Again, when I type, when I wrote back, it was typed, but I did sign it. <laughs> oh, you did?
1: <laughs> yeah, man, remember? I don't remember. Yeah, I signed this it. This is like a month ago. It's been, it's taken him significantly longer to respond. I don't know that he's gonna respond again.
0: I don't think he's gonna respond because my letter back to him was
1: kind of like a big fuck you. Yeah, you're in prison. What else do you have to do? And do you really think that a whole lot of peop- podcasters? I don't think a whole lot of podcasters probably write him. I bet people. I don't know that even people write him. I didn't even know about him. And I'm like, no, every. Crazy killer, really? and I didn't know about him until really all this. Oh, interesting. So I mean, I know that like there's you talked about this in your hypo, what's it called when women are obsessed with killers? Hypo, yeah. Whatever case, that um, women write killers all the time. Yeah, that infatuation, like good-looking men that mm-hmm. commit crimes. But an eighty-year-old man that's been in prison for thirty years, right? And do you really think he gets that much mail?
0: He wasn't attractive either. Like, he wasn't... I mean, he was... I think it was, like, 5'8", 200 pounds, bald.
1: I mean, he wasn't, like, an attractive man. But... um, But that's my thing, though. Do you think that's, like, his ego being, like, I get so much letters every day? Or do you think he actually does? I, in my brain, I'm like, I don't think he... In my, like, top ten list of people that probably get slews of letters... I, he be he, that list. he
0: is. I mean, though, if you look at the list of serial killers who are still alive, that list is not super long. Yeah. And so, if you wanted to engage with a serial killer, you would you would probably write him, run across him,
1: or do you yeah. think it's letters, or do you think he gets more emails? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't help it, can you? I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. we should maybe if you email him then he doesn't have to waste a stamp and it's the internet you know i and
0: he hasn't been in in prison that long so i mean honestly like this is the best way for you know to die honestly i mean you've got health care you've yeah. got medication you're safe you're whatever i i don't know but you know what is super concerning to me is the amount of women that are out there who want this whole bondage lifestyle that yeah. has got to come from significant childhood trauma. I don't know, like that's to that extent to be like here here is a hundred and fifteen page contract that I can own you, and I'd be like, Fuck you, <laughs> be a man
1: and tell me, Tracy, what to do. Good luck, <laughs> I mean that's fair. That's fair. If you were my mother and if family members know not listen, we could take this a really weird way, but we're not going to do that today. No, please don't. Please <laughs> don't. Because this is like, it creeps me out. It's
0: really scary. And how he capitalized on people and pretended. And in addition, these places like the Hope House not
1: validating that he was who he said that yeah, he was. Yeah, that's the part I think that's like the most, that it was a referral. And his probation, he was on probation the whole time. Yeah. You didn't check in on anything? I mean, maybe. Well, that's like, oh, gosh. Um, It's not like he was under the radar. Nobody knew that he was a slime bucket. Why can't I think of his name right now? The clown killer. Yeah. He was on probation that entire time, just in a different state. That blows my mind. I guess that's like. I was a PO and I knew where my people were every moment of every day. You also have to look though. A lot of these big serial killer cases are from like the 70s, 80s. Right. Before
0: monitoring. Before
1: like, I mean, like you said, computers were just becoming like the thing. So, I mean, it probably was kind of hard to keep track of everybody. Got to dig out your sticky notes and figure out where people are or what they're supposed to be doing. I don't know. I just find it, it's awful. Yeah, and that's like, like I said earlier, it's kind of like a combination of Toy Box Killer slash... And then he would just go home. I mean, he
0: coached, he coached soccer, he coached basketball, he was, you know, high in his church. He was, I mean, everybody thought that he was just this great little Pillsbury Doughboy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And really, he was, you know... I, shoving
1: guns inside of
0: people right women and right. threatening
1: I mean and my last thing too like coming back to the BDSM thing and I've said this in other episodes like if that's your gig that's your gig no judgment there if that's what you're into that's what you're into it's the people that take advantage of people that are wanting a certain thing or a certain outlet right that use that vulnerability I mean who are the most vulnerable people if you're strapped down what are you gonna do you can't defend yourself you can't yeah, it's I mean, awful. and you take advantage of those situations, and we see cases like this all the time where they wanted one thing, and the worst thing could happen does happen. It's awful. It's he's disgusting. Yeah, he's disgusting,
0: and I don't understand why the death penalty takes so damn long in cases like this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, normally I'd be like, okay, did he? He says he's innocent. Like, do you think he's innocent? Oh, no, I don't he think did. he's innocent.
0: No, I don't he didn't
1: I mean that's my thing though, It's like you said, like his wife doesn't didn't ever go out to the farmland farmland. Who was out there other than you? Right. Why were there five bodies? Found? And it wasn't just it wasn't just at his farm, it was
0: in a storage unit that he had that was just in his name. That, I mean, And these mothers
1: it. are like, oh, the last person I knew they were with was so-and-so and so-and-so. And he showed up as people's houses. And the girl, thank God that she
0: called and reported her illegal activity because she was assaulted. Which doesn't Which always great. happen. Well, and most of, a lot of the time, not most of the time, but a lot of the time, people who are prostitutes are not, they're, What they say is not validated and it's not even really looked into. That's why they're a huge target for killers. Absolutely. And, you know, props to whatever cop did that and took it... Seriously and... Took it seriously because this guy was on everybody's radar. I mean, on probation, in prison, in... I mean, everybody knew what he was. Yeah.
1: Ugh, so sad. Gnarly. Well, thank you for bringing that. Thanks for doing all that research. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's pretty gross, but... It's super gross. It makes me super uncomfortable. But tied it all together? Yeah. I wish it was more of an exciting letter, but I feel like you get a decent, like, look into his psyche from that. Oh, I got a lot out of that letter. I got a
0: lot out of that letter. He didn't sign it either. <laughs>
1: Just
0: to, Yeah, he didn't! No, he didn't. He wrote to the very, very, very bottom of the page, and he did not sign he it. he numbered all of his pages. So. And he numbered them. Yeah. So, we're going to take pictures of the letter and post them on our Instagram, If you guys, you know, whatever. And we'll post some of his other publications that are just ridiculous. But
1: anyway. You do you. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for bringing that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Stay safe.